Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Pony Express, but more specifically, another episode of Fortress of Ineptitude, this little show where we take a look at the forgotten and maligned comic book movies of years past. And uh, we, we got a doozy today, but before we get into it, um, let me just remind you that I'm Mike Levito, the editor-in-chief of The Postwriter, and I'm joined, as always, by Postwriter contributor Lewis Ryan. Hey, Mike. Glad to be here. It's funny when you're talking about that we're like the little show. Mm-hmm. It's like we're like the Davy taking on the Goliath of these big corporate <laughs> behemoth movies, and there's there's no movie more fitting for that description than, than the movie we're going to be talking about today. It's really, truly like the pinnacle of like a big corporate movie, big budget Hollywood. Yes, uh, the, the little movie that couldn't, maybe. Um, yeah, just, just real, the production value is really all out. We're, of course, talking about uh, The Fantastic Four, um, which separates it from Fantastic Four that was released in 2005 and The Fantastic Four that was released in, I believe, 2015. We were talking about the uh, unreleased Roger Corman-produced movie that was supposed to be released in 1994, I believe. Um, Possibly. Yes, possibly. It's debatable whether it was ever intended to be released. Right. Um, But they did make it, and they made posters and actually a trailer for it and everything. So, Lewis, why why don't you tell us why... um, What exactly happened with this movie? Oh, gosh. Um... So apparently there was a gentleman named Constantine who held the rights to the Fantastic Four. Um, a lot of these Marvel rights were being sold in like the late 80s, early 90s, and a lot of sort of um, lower-budgeted versions of these movies, sort of like a foreign-y kind of Italian knockoff versions of these movies were sold. But they had the rights, like Captain America. Uh, there was a Captain America movie in the 1990s. Obviously this kind of spurned off of tim burton's batman i think and that sort of whole wave and um i guess a gentleman named constantine held the rights and he got involved with uh roger corman's new horizon pictures um which was sort of a successor to corman's new world pictures um roger corman for those who don't know was uh, the master of the micro budget filmmaking in his day um really like really stingy guy it's like we're gonna shoot this film in two days or not at all like boris karloff owes me a week of filming (laughs) so peter bogdanovich i want you to make a movie using boris karloff and you only have him for seven days Um, so make a movie out of it um and you know a lot of great directors got started making uh these films under the auspicious uh micromanagement of roger corman like francis ford coppola Jack Nicholson got his start uh, acting and directing uh, for Roger Corman, uh, Martin Scorsese. A lot of these guys really, like, cut their teeth making these films. So, like, uh, Roger Corman, you know, cheap, uh, low budget. And apparently the the story goes is that they were going to lose the rights to the Fantastic Four. Like, the rights would revert back, back to – the film rights would revert back to Marvel. So this film was produced very quickly, sort of at the tail end of 1993 – um, it was put together very quickly and <laughs> shoddily is a word I'm going to use for it. And um, uh, so the, the rumor goes that this was basically produced just to keep the rights. And it's unknown if it was ever going to be released. Apparently Stan Lee mentioned at a Comic-Con that he felt it was going to be released, but uh, it, it never was. And it wasn't. And the rights were still held, I believe, by this gentleman named Constantine until 2005, maybe even still after that. I'm yeah, not exactly he, sure about so, the rights. It, so it was a company called Constantine Film, but the, the guy's name was actually Bernd Eichinger. Um, and he owned the right... Yeah, he, he actually produced the 2005 Fantastic Four movie and the follow-up, Fantastic Four Rise of the Silver Surfer. So this movie accomplished its goal and that it, it did let him hold on to the rights, and eventually uh, produce two higher-budget, higher-earning movies afterwards. Um, And so, in a sense, this is the most successful movie ever made. Yeah, basically. I mean, there's a clarity of purpose there, I suppose. Um, Yes, you talked about shoddily constructed. So just, like, a couple details on the production. Um, The score for this movie was composed at the expense like of the composers 
for like six thousand dollars they assembled um i think it was like a 68 piece orchestra uh yeah i was shocked when i saw that they actually had like a big orchestra for this yeah 48 piece orchestra i believe all the promotion was done at the actor's expense as well um and apparently the story goes basically that um you know like you said there's conflicting reports about was this ever actually meant to be released or was it just something that was done to hold on to the rights but um apparently according to avi arad who was you know like an executive of marvel the the greatest producer of all time (laughs) according to the end credits of spider-man no way home exactly um the 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 greatest toy slash toy man slash movie producer slash comic book guy ever i guess the man who basically uh midwifed kevin feige into all of our hearts so we have him to thank ladies and gentlemen and also the amazing spider-man movies and by amazing i mean the title not actually the quality and then uh the venom movies and all that good stuff um but basically the story goes is that like he was in like I think like Puerto Rico or somewhere he was on vacation and he had a Fantastic Four shirt and somebody came up to him and was like, Oh man, like I'm really excited for the movie that's coming out. He's like, What movie? Like what's what? <laughs> and then he found out about it and gave uh Eichinger a call and was like, Yeah, we we're 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 not gonna release this, man. We're we're just not gonna do it. And I, I think actually bought him off. Um That's and- right. He, he thought releasing the film would actually be too damaging to the brand, the mm-hmm. Fantastic Four brand identity. So he apparently bought all the extant copies and had them destroyed. Yes. Um, and so actually this movie probably made money when you think about it. It was made for like a million dollars. He says he bought it for a couple million dollars. Yeah, I believe I remember reading he bought it at cost. Yeah. Um, but, and uh, the, the, some, the movie escaped unscathed. Yeah. So it's like a win-win. Right, yeah. Yeah, D- despite all, all of or him ordering all the prints destroyed. Uh, despite s- the best efforts of Avi Arad and Doctor Doom. Yes. They managed to escape unscathed. Uh, yeah, we. I assume you watched it on YouTube like me. <laughs> I don't, I mean, I guess there's other places to watch it online, but yeah, I watched it on YouTube. There's no, I couldn't go out to my Blockbuster mic and pick up a copy. <laughs> yeah, because Blockbuster's closed, right? Um, so yeah, you, you can find this movie on YouTube. It's, it's, it's for free. It's, it's, it's right there waiting for you. Uh, not, not the best quality transfer to YouTube, I would say. <laughs> um, yeah, um, it's definitely, I think, I think like, you know, the picture is kind of zoomed in from what it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And obviously the picture quality isn't that great, but you, it's, it's good enough. I'm not sure if it would help if you could see it in pristine HD quality. Yeah, it, it gives it that kind of, you know... It makes it feel more like kind of outsider art, I guess, if, if, if it has this kind of graininess. Um, it, it, um, yeah, the, the, the VHS quality is uh, interesting when you talk about um, sort of the ex- exhibition viewing experience because it kind of mm-hmm. makes it a bit scarier to watch. It makes it feel like it's something you shouldn't be watching because right. it's like you can't really make out what's going on. Mm-hmm. So it might be the best possible way to view this film. Yeah, so what you're saying is The Fantastic Four and Inland Empire basically do the same thing. <laughs> um right so yeah let's talk about this movie then now that we're we're done with the backstory so uh it opens up well first of all did did you like the stock footage in the opening credits (laughs) um had the opening credits Mm -hmm. did a good job of like slightly raising my expectations Mm mm-hmm because we were talking about the music. The music's actually pretty good. Yes, I would agree. In the opening. I would say it's the best um, part overall. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I mean, uh, was there a lot of opening stock footage? I just remember it was like a Starfield, like panning around. There was seems... Starfield, and there was definitely like, there was like shots of like, you know, like a Corona jumping off the sun that looked like it was probably from stock footage. Um, it was like, 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 yeah, at the beginning, it was clearly just kind of images. It's like, oh, this is fine. And then when that came, I was like, oh, this is like, they're clearly borrowing this from somewhere else, which, you know, it happens. Um, but uh, we open up in a classroom at some unidentified university. Um, and we're, we're interested. State University. State University. I assume. I, sure. I, <laughs> That's I, what I, it is no in the idea. comics. <laughs> and we're, we're introduced to, uh, to to three college buddies. We, we have the Brains reed richards and victor von doom or victor they don't actually say his last name um and of course ben Grimm. uh 
their uh, their 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 muscle bound friend, um, and and they're discussing the professor's discussing this thing called the Colossus. And did you grasp what the Colossus was? Because it was kind of confusing to me. Well, it's it's a bit confusing because Colossus is obviously the name of another right, popular yeah. Marvel character, mm-hmm. the Soviet Union born commie Russian. <laughs> Colossus, who's a member of the X-Men. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I, I kind of understood pretty quickly that Colossus is sort of the, um, the at being the Fantastic Four expert I am, that Colossus is sort of the device that Reed sort of inadvertently helps Doctor Doom with, which blows up in Doctor Doom's face, literally. Right, We I, I just realized we, we, we usually talk about our relationship with the characters. We should emphasize, you are like a big Fantastic Four fan. Oh yeah, I am. Da- I'm like a Fantastic Four expert. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the Fantastic Four; they're great. Um, yeah, it's like for whatever reason, my favorite characters from DC and Marvel are Superman and the Fantastic Four, which is like I just picked the first ones. <laughs> yeah, and like boom. <laughs> it's like my my favorite song, my favorite rock and roll song. That's all right by Elvis Presley. You know, gotta go with the to the source. Um, yeah, I, I also love. You know, how how can't you love the Fantastic Four? Not, I'm certainly not at your level in, in knowledge and, and experience, but... Uh, yeah, I just truly think it is, like, the world's greatest comic magazine, as they famously proclaimed for 500-plus issues or so. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's honestly, like, I wish more people would, like, read it, because it's, it's so fun and mm-hmm. interesting and actually kind of funny. And it's depressing when I go online and I see people like, hey, just got into comic comics, here's a picture of my shelf, and it's, like, Batman, right. the Punisher. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, oh, have some lightness. Put put some Fantastic Four in there. You'll you'll thank yourself later. Yeah, and that, that's why I think the great thing about Fantastic Four is is that it's obviously they're superheroes, but it's like as much an adventure story, and also as people will always say, a family story, as it is about them sort of you know fighting supervillains. Um, yeah. So I, I had big expectations going into this. <laughs> I, uh, I've heard I've heard a lot of things because I I obviously knew about this movie from. The rumor mill. Right. It was kind of a minor plot point in the rest of development season four, mm-hmm. but um, I knew about it before that. There's apparently a documentary out called Doomed, mm-hmm. which uh, I didn't watch in Maybe. preparation for this <laughs> um, about the making of this movie. But I, I've heard long stories because obviously, like I think the thing the Fantastic Four is best known for, unfortunately, in modern day, is that their movies aren't very good, mm-hmm. <laughs> and a lot of people were saying around the time the 2015 one came out it's like oh still not as good as the 1994 version so i had expectations because a lot of people say i guess somewhat seriously but i can't tell if like maybe they're joking or not that this is still the best ff movie um that was not my experience no watching this. i think there's a level of facetiousness there facetiousness there because it just kind of emphasizes how not good the other movies are i do think you could argue it is better than the josh trank movie which i don't think you've seen and I very late at night needed something to fall asleep to turned on and immediately regretted it instantly. Um, but I'm sure we'll cover that in another episode. Um, I will say there are, I mean, it's, it's definitely not the best fantastic four movie. I was surprised at, 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 at how um, much ground they covered as far as the fantastic four story goes, but we can get into that more as we go along. Um, so, I do want to say, since yeah. we were you brought up the opening scene, mm-hmm. I do think the opening scene is very well done in the way it sort of establishes the character of Reed Richards because mm-hmm. it's just sort of a professor lecturing and he's like writing some stuff and he's like, actually, if we convert this from kilometers to miles, it turns out to be dot, dot, dot. And then Reed just says like the correct answer and he's like, the professor without turning is just like, oh, thank you, Reed. Yeah. Just writes it down. I thought that was actually, that's a pretty uh, good way to establish the character of Reed Richards. Yeah, I gener- I, I actually thought Reed Richards was probably the uh, most well-cast character in this movie. Um, he's played by a guy named Alex Hyde-White, who was apparently one of the last contract players in Hollywood, according to Wikipedia. Um, you know, I think he looks the part. I think he sounds the part. I think he does a good job playing the, this, this, the kind of, you know... Um, flustered genius role. Um, yeah, I agree with you that I think he was the best mm-hmm. cast out of the four. His hair, the thing that, that first attracted me to Reed Richards 
way back when I was a young lad is just the fact that he had like gray temples. Right. And obviously that's like done in the most cheap way possible yeah. here. It looks like he's just like painted on. Um, and his, the, his hair in this one, I like he's, he famously has sort of like that clean sort of like the um, professor on Gilligan's Island sort of cut. Mm-hmm. But this is kind of like a more 90s version because it's like a bit of a mullet in the back and he's yeah. got kind of hair in the front. But it's all right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, did, did you have thoughts about the casting for 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 Ben and uh, and, and Victor in this scene? Um, ben, Ben's always kind of uh, interesting because Ben Grimm might be like the most. How do I draw this guy again? Right. Like when you picture Ben Grimm, you don't really you only think about the thing. The right. thing, obviously, one of the most famous and iconic marvel characters and when it comes to ben Grimm, like there is a set way that you draw him but like i'll be darned if anyone can like remember or describe how ben Grimm looks but i will say he does kind of look like ben Grimm (laughs) in terms of the comics it is sort of just and he is kind of not the thing for a long yeah large percentage of the movie and uh in terms of uh victor pre-doctor doom it was all right, it's honestly not. He's not in it very long. No, as sort of pre. Um, I would I would have appreciated, and this goes to like Doom's portrayal, Victor and Doctor Doom's portrayal in the whole movie. I wish he was like more arrogant mm-hmm. and kind of spoke in the third person more. Right, that's my personal opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess I guess I can get more into Doctor Doom later as we yeah. go on. Yeah, I, I also had some issues with with the Doctor Doom of this movie. Um. But basically, they're they're preparing to run some experiment on the Colossus with this big contraption they've built. Um, but before they do that, they stop off at uh, I, it's like Mrs. Storm's boarding house or something for students, um, where apparently they all live, or at least Reed and Ben do. And that's where we're introduced to uh, Susan and Johnny Storm, who are children <laughs> in this scene. And uh, when they appeared, I was like, "Are they going to be children the entire movie?" <laughs> Because if so, uh, that'll be problematic. <laughs> this is, It is uh, lore accurate that apparently Reed and Sue met at you know board, the boarding house when Reed was in college. And there is kind of a nine-year age gap mm-hmm. when they met. Obviously, they don't try to emphasize that as much nowadays. Because like you said, it gets kind of weird. Yeah. Um, but I did sort of have a similar thought. Because obviously, Alex Hyde-White and the rest of the cast are like the same past the time skip the same and then then uh, sue and johnny they sort of get new actors to play them older and it's funny when um the the time skip happens like johnny looks like a 35 year old (laughs) he does yeah but he acts like a 20 year old um so yeah basically we're introduced to them you know they're all gonna go see this this colossus event in the sky reed and victor run their experiment it goes awry there's an explosion um that Victor goes to the hospital. They say his burns were too much to to recover him from. And then they uh, uh, just kind of... They say they bring him down to the morgue, but it seems like they're, they're doing something. Yeah, it's like a classic lawyer speak. It's like we're bringing him down to the morgue. Yeah. By which they literally do that without saying he's not dead. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Um, so anyway, fast forward 10 years later... Um, Reed and Ben are just kind of like hanging out at the Baxter building. Um, Reed's designed a spaceship to go, I guess, examine the Colossus uh, up close and personal. And they're coming up with a crew. And Ben suggests Johnny and Susan, who apparently they haven't seen since they were kids. It's kind of implied. Um, They are the Fantastic Four. Yes, yes. They they go to visit... um, they they kind of unite. Reed sees adult Susan and, and kind of falls in love with her. Um, and then the the mother's like, look at you all, the Fantastic Four. Um, that's how they get their name, you see. Uh, but a big plot point in this is that uh, they have to use a diamond that's meant to, like, protect them from cosmic rays. And uh, there's, like, two... Two people who are interested in, in getting this diamond. So the diamond's delivered to the Baxter building. Uh, Doctor, two of Doctor Doom's goons with, with very, very convincing Eastern European accents. 
They're Latverian agents, Mike. Yes, Latverian agents. Um, you know, they're planning to steal it, I, I think, just so they can't run the experiment or whatever. But then this guy pops out of a sewer and he goes, I can smell diamonds. And uh, did you think this was the Mole Man at first, like I did? I thought it was the Mole Man. And then I thought it might be like the thinker, right. the mad thinker, because he looks kind of like him. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's it's neither of them. I was stupid for thinking that, <laughs> apparently. It's actually this character called uh, the Jeweler. Yes. Which I'm sure they were racking their brains all weekend to come up with that. <laughs> um, yeah, this, this character called the Jeweler. Because they're like, hey, we have Doctor Doom, but we need another equally menacing villain in this picture. <laughs> what if we have the Jeweler? Yeah, a creepy-looking British guy. Um, That's basically the Mole Man. Yeah, basically the Mole Man. Um, He sneaks into the Baxter building uh, and replaces the real diamond with a fake diamond. Doctor Doom sees this happening. He's like, oh, we'll we'll just let let them blow up in space then. Um, Did you notice? (laughs) So the jeweler does this whole thing where he, uh, you know, there's like security lasers and by the way, we should say that, like, most of the effects are, like, clearly, like, illustrated. Like, they're not, like, computer-generated effects at this point, at least. Yeah, I right? guess they'd be, like, optical effects, maybe. Yeah. Well, it looks like they just, like, drew lasers, like, into the frame. That's what I'm saying. They're opticals. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's, like, you get a shot of, like, you see, like, the, the jeweler, like, kind of, like, enter in. And you see, like, a shot of, like, his kind of, like, upper body. And he moves. And then you see his feet go through the lasers. And it cuts back to his body, and it's clear the actor hasn't actually moved at all, but they're just shifting from, like, somebody's feet and somebody's body, like, back and forth. Um, yeah, we're, we're doing a disservice by just talking about the plot, which is excellent, by the way. <laughs> um, and not talking about, like, the production design and the level of, I don't know, m- money burning up on the screen. <laughs> right, yeah. I was thinking, like, while watching this, it's like, this is so bad. It, it's, like, not even, like, this is, like, what, um, obviously, recently, HBO, or not HBO, Warner Brothers pulled Batgirl. Right. For, like, reasons that, like, this is not good enough to release. Mm-hmm. So, I imagine this is how bad Batgirl must be in order for them to do that. Uh, or something like that. The, the 2023 equivalent of this. Because um, if it was this bad, that'd be shocking. Um but, like, this is, like, beyond, like, if this was released in theaters, it'd be bad. Mm-hmm. Like, if this was released direct-to-video, it'd be bad. I was thinking, like, if you and I made this, you know, yeah. and we showed it to, like, our friends and parents and we showed them this. Like, is it even, does it even pass that <laughs> of them being like, oh, yeah, that, w- that was good? <laughs> Pro- probably not. I mean, like, you, I feel like you've made more impressive-looking movies in, as, as your career as a film student. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like uh, it's, uh... Yeah, it's it's not good. It, it's very shoddy um, stuff. I mean, like even like the, um, like like uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie, right, which right. was released a few years prior to this, is much better than this. Mm-hmm. This is really bad. Yeah, yeah. Um, and even like Batman Forever, which I guess had a much higher budget, but like that, there are moments in the movie that look very bad, but uh, clearly better than this. Um, like, movies 10 years prior to this. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, any Steven Spielberg movie or George <laughs> Lucas movie, really. It, it's, it is... Nightmare on Elm Street 1. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, this is like... Uh, it's it's like uh, Asylum. Like, that studio that just makes, like, the mockbusters. It's like the 1994 version of that production value, but probably even worse. Um, but, yeah, basically, uh, <laughs> they go up into space... Uh, the, the origin happens. Yeah, the origin happens. You know, they fly up into space. Um, diamond blows up. They crash down to Earth. Uh, and um, we, we, we get a recreation of the famous scene. Uh, to be, to, like, one of the movie's pros, I guess, mm-hmm. in my opinion, is that it's very, like, lore accurate. Right, right. To the comics, like, more so than the 2005 version, in a way. Mm-hmm. To which I would counter and say... It's probably just a lack of creativity. Right, yeah, yeah. And effort spent coming up with new stuff. <clears throat> so we get the scene of them, like, crashing in the, the meadow. And the, the famous scene where all their powers sort of emerge mm-hmm. as they're squabbling post-crash. Yeah. So that 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 is... 
I don't even want to say well done. It's just, it's done. Right. It, it, it checks the box, I guess. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we, we first discover that Johnny can, can uh, generate fire because he, he sneezes. Can, he can generate optical effects. Yes. Out of his hand. <laughs> um, he sneezes and that, that causes a fire. Um, you know, we, 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 we get the kind of... I... I... <laughs> For some reason, like anything when Sue turned invisible, I was like, I bet Mike Levito is just laughing hysterically <laughs> watching this. Because it's like, hey guys, it's like, Sue, where are you? What do you mean? I'm over here. <laughs> yeah. No, what, uh, what made me laugh much harder was actually uh, Reed's powers. <laughs> the, uh, I don't even know how to properly describe what happens. It... It's it's they're all they're, all their powers are sort of famously difficult to portray right. with a budget level this low. Yeah, I guess what it was like. So what happens is it's like Sue. You know, there's the whole she's invisible. They do the whole oh where are you? I'm here. Oh well, she reappears. She freaks out. She's going to fall backwards, and then Reed reaches out to save her, and. It's like you got a giant one of those, uh, you know, those things that kids have at like birthday parties where it's like you blow into it and it inflates. Yeah. Um, it's like a giant one of those comes out of his arm to save her. Yeah, it's uh, kind of like a stop motion accordion yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Um, which is, <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll get to his powers later because <laughs> the ending scene is really something else. Um well, you think you mean like the literal last shot in the movie? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> which involves a lot of uh, a lot of that effect. <laughs> <laughs> it's a cut scene from a Dr. Seuss movie or something. Yeah. Um. Anyway. Uh, they so yeah then then so they have the scene. Yeah. This is like a half hour into the movie. We're a full third into the movie. Right. And they finally have their powers. Mm-hmm. And it's feel this movie feels like punishingly long. Yeah. I, I will say the first third kind of went by the fastest for me. Mm-hmm. And then after this, it kind of feels punishingly long. Mm-hmm. Um, so then they get immediately captured by the United States government, apparently. Well, who they think is the government. Yeah. Yeah, that's why I, I did air quotes on, my, on the podcast. Oh, okay. And see, I was even looking. I had a different tab open, so... I, I listened to my voice for everyone. I was doing air quotes right. with Mike. Uh, so they get captured. And then there's this hilarious scene where their powers are sort of introduced again mm-hmm. to uh, Dr. Hauptman. Yeah. Who, who I must mention is a character also from the comics. Oh, I know that. He's like an evil doctor character in the famous four-issue arc where the FF actually go to Latveria for the mm. first time and meet Dr. Doom. He's sort of like the evil german inspired doctor character that dr doom has um and there's a scene where the doctor's trying to extract blood from all of them and it's like it's like he gets more and more flustered Mm -hmm. because it's just hard to get blood from each of them yeah because like the thing's skin is rock hard Mm -hmm. johnny's too hot i guess he can't find sue Mm -hmm. he's one and then the next the last scene is where he draws blood from reed and he's like standing very far away from him (laughs) and the shot is composed in such a way where i'm like i wonder what's gonna happen here Mm -hmm. where the doctor's like can you draw blood yourself and then reed's like okay (laughs) and then (laughs) the arm stretches out and he grabs the needle and then the doctor uh probably faints yeah i will say the guy who was playing dr houtman he 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 was giving he was giving everything he had he i thought that was like a good worthless performance he was giving yeah they they were like hey someone who must do a lot of day playing on sitcoms and stuff right like 10 years ago let's get that guy mm-hmm. yeah um so yeah basically they're 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 being told they're in isolation um but actually they're being monitored by dr doom and all of that and they decide they gotta they gotta break out um and uh i can't even barely remember what happened yeah so what happens is basically it's like um the, these doctors come to perform more tests on them and then oh right 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 they're all like together <laughs> playing checkers or something 
or cards, I think. Yeah. And they're like gonna find out a way to 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 um, break out. And there's this whole debate of like, oh, Ben doesn't want to go because he like he's a monster and you know, whatever. Um, but they come and they all kind of look at each other. And then the frame spins and you hear punching sound effects. Right. And then the next shot is is all of the non-Ben Fantastic Four in like, you know, the the uniforms ready to They're to, ready to for COVID. Around. Yes, they are. They're in hazmat suits, basically. Um, and then the thing is just like talking to these unconscious guards. Um, so they, they sneak around. Um... They, uh, they, they must find, find out it's like Doctor Doom, right? At this point, yeah, they fight. Yeah, they're introduced to Doctor Doom, who, who like introduces himself. Um, they have kind of like, a, well, first of all, what did you think of this? You mentioned you had issues with this portrayal of Doctor Doom. Is, is there anything else you have to add about that? Uh, well, I will say he sort of looks the part. Yeah. <laughs> the, the this film like it, like wastes no expends no creative energy like coming no. up with a radical new design for any of the characters. So Doctor Doom, mm-hmm. it's like bright green hood and cloak. Um, they, uh, one thing I have issue with is obviously the fact that like they have Joseph Culp. He's just like wearing a mask that just covers his face. Right. And like so you can see like his throat yeah. moving up and down, <laughs> which is like that's distracting. And it's like you can. This is like the opposite of like when people were complaining about Bane in The mm-hmm. Dark Knight Rises, how his audio is like right at the like top track. Yeah. And you can hear it. It's like Doctor Doom, they literally must have just recorded his audio while he was wearing a mask. So he sounds like this. Yeah. I will defeat you. And like apparently Joseph Cup was like, Yeah, this isn't gonna sound good, guys. You're gonna have to <laughs> call me into ADR. And they're like, What's ADR? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, yeah, so it's just it's hard to understand Doctor Doom for some portions of this movie. Yeah, it doesn't sound good at all. Well, it's funny cuz I'm pretty sure they ADR'd the thing's voice, right? It seemed like they did. Uh yeah, it was apparently a second guy they got to play the thing. Yeah. When he's actually the thing, but mm-hmm. I I have no idea how that worked cuz it's like a weird The thing looks like a big stop motion thing. Yeah, he's in the rubber suit, I believe is what it actually is, but um but it's it literally sounds like Jay Underwood, the guy who plays Ben, is just like going like this, and then it's clobbering time. Yeah, he says it like five times, and then uh, the stunt man who's playing him is, is just kind of moving his lips to it. Um, so anyway, basically they have this confrontation. They go back to New York, um, and we forgot we 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 the the jeweler becomes involved again because we forgot to mention Alicia Masters, um, who. We is blind. Is blind, yes. Uh, we meet very early on when, when Ben runs into her and she smashes her her statue. She just goes, my statue. Um, there was a scene where, um, I think at this point in the movie, she gets like a delivery. Yeah, it's she, because apparently she gets a delivery and it's a guy doing like a very fake New York accent. I thought it was going to be Willie Lumpkin. Oh, that would have been good. There is an established mailman character in yeah. the Fantastic Four universe. But yeah, this guy was distractingly bad Yes, the delivery man. Um, you got a package? You got, yeah. Here it is. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, they delivered her, like, casting molds of, like, the four of their heads for, like, the helmet test, apparently. And I was like, does NASA do that? Well, yeah, the, the impression that I got was that she had designed the helmets for the suits, but then because they think that they're all dead, she's going to build a, memor- a memorial statue. And I guess she's using like the casts of their heads to make that statue. But yeah, to your With point. With all these assumptions, why do I even need to watch the movie? I was going to say. just yeah. watch it in my head. <laughs> well, they mentioned the memorial statue, but we just watched For All Mankind. And, like, we know that NASA doesn't... They, they, they can't do this. They can't personalize a helmet for each person. Also, we don't even know if they're if they're involved with NASA. We don't know who's funding the mission. Exactly. <laughs> um, basically, what happens is the jeweler's like, well, I have a gift fit for a queen. He has all these kind of, like, Morlock-style henchmen. He tells them all to get up and, uh, and find him a queen. They somehow settle on Alicia... They kidnap her, 
bring her bring him to i guess the sewer it's not entirely clear where he lives oh i guess he pops out the sewer um the sewer because they couldn't afford to do subterranea right yeah um and basically you know ben they, they get back to the baxter building they're trying to figure out their powers is the thing that reed says about their personalities matching their powers is that like canonical Uh, do you remember what I'm talking no, about? No, I, I remember the scene. It was a very, like, obvious yeah. scene of, like... It, it was really, like, the movie didn't need this. Yeah. I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah. Sue is shy. <laughs> that's why she's invisible. And Johnny, he's a hothead. So that's why he's a human torch. And Ben has always relied too much on his strength. That's mm-hmm. why he is a rock monster now. Yeah. And me, I've spread myself too thin. <laughs> It was just like calling out like the obvious metaphor. Right. It was uh, like if Peter Parker just started talking about how it's like his web shooters is like a metaphor for like jacking off. Right. Yeah. It's like, do you need to say this in the yeah. movie? If, if Magneto was like, you know, I'm like Malcolm X and you, Professor X, you're actually like <laughs> Martin Luther King Jr. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, well, but the funny thing is too, is that I, Ben is like, wait a minute, like, how come you guys can turn your powers off and I can't? And Reed Richards just goes, I don't know yet. <laughs> and that's the last we ever hear about it. Like, that's the last we ever seem to get him trying to figure that out. Um, anyway, uh, Ben gets very upset. He stalks out on his own. Did you enjoy the kind of, like, montage of him walking the streets of New York City? Yeah, they, they stole a shot. Yeah. Of, like, because we don't have, we couldn't get a permit, so we just stole a shot of him walking across the street in New York. Yeah. <laughs> filming this like dateline nbc um i don't i mean it's it's again this is like something that's like straight out of issue 51 this man this monster just been right. inconsolable and alone um and we do and then that leads into his confrontation well I, does he meet the jeweler or is it dr doom he meets up with he... who has alicia because I don't think the jeweler meets any of the Fantastic Four. <laughs> That's a good point. No, what happens is is that yeah, he he somehow meets up with like two of the jeweler's henchmen or whatever, and they bring him to his lair, and they're like, "Meet Ben." He's like, "Oh, you know, we'll have a home for you here." Blah blah blah. Um, and I guess at that point he doesn't know that Alicia's there. Um, but you're right. What happens is Doctor Doom still wants the uh the diamond because he wants to kidnap the fantastic four and then use... his goal was to kill them in the rocket but that right. didn't work no and but now that he sees that they have their powers he wants to use the diamond to conduct some kind of process that gives him all the powers like the super scroll clert yeah that's what i was gonna say um <laughs> oops <laughs> well i mean it's fine um so Basically, he he bursts into uh, the jeweler's lair, and he's like, you know, give it to me. There's this whole fight between uh, Doctor Doom and the jeweler's goons. Um, we get that one thing where it's like a bunch of them are in front of the diamond, and then they all run away except for one, and Doctor Doom just like shoots the guy. <laughs> um, oh, I, I like that. Yeah, <laughs> it, I like Doctor Doom using a gun because he's definitely right. Yeah. Um, no lasers or anything else that would be more interesting for him to use. Because, like, he is drawn a lot with, like, a holster. Right, yeah. And a gun. So, I mean, yeah. it's just, like, I feel like Dr. Doom wouldn't be above using a gun at a certain point and just talk about how great it is that he's using a gun. Right, yeah. Um, so, that happens. And then, what, this <laughs> scene, then the jewel, so the jeweler's so plot to, like, get Dr. Doom to, to not take the diamond is he takes alicia masters and points a gun at her and is like if you take the diamond i'm gonna shoot her and even i'm like yeah why would dr doom care about that like <laughs> he doesn't know this woman and he's a psycho like what <laughs> but you're but what happens is dr doom actually literally says that right right <laughs> yeah like, why should i care yeah <laughs> which i kind of appreciated um of course ben finds out what's going to happen so he jumps in and tries to stop it 
Doctor Doom ends up kidnapping Alicia too. Um, and Alicia... <laughs> Go ahead, Lois. I was going to say, we get the classic Ben transforms himself back into... Or the thing transforms himself back into Ben Grimm. Yeah, which happens all the time in the comic books, right? It does. It happens all the time <laughs> in the first ten issues. Um, but uh, it's, yeah, it's it's there. And then he immediately gets his powers back the very next scene. Yeah. Um, basically, but it checks the box. Say that again? It checks the box. It does, yes. Um, basically, he gets back to the Baxter building. He's like, hey... Uh, well, he says he finds out that Victor is doomed. Like, how... Or Reed says he found that out. Well, he finds out because he, he compares their handwriting. I don't really understand where he got the handwriting sample from Doom from. I don't know. Um, I also understand, like, if, if your friend's name is Victor Von Doom and you meet somebody else named Doom... I just think he'd probably start asking some questions. Well, like you say, they never established that Victor's last name is Von Doom. Yeah. It, it, could, so, it could be Victor Van Dam, like the ultimate version of the character. It's weird to think the movie draws the line at embarrassment at right. the character's name being Von Doom. <laughs> exactly. Um, basically, uh, <laughs> this also just made me laugh, because Dr. Doom like contacts them with like a video chat thing. And he's like, he's like, this is a little toy that I've been playing with. And it's like, okay, so video chat, which, I mean, obviously in 2023, everybody has that. Um, but it's just like, how did they have, like, a receiving end in the first place? Like, what was this giant screen in their 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 house meant for, <laughs> if not for communicating with people? Um, and uh, he, he's, he's going to blow up New York City if they don't come uh, to Latveria and, and, and stop him. Well, it's not. Is it Latveria? Oh, I guess I, it is, right? They're at the castle. It says his castle, so I assume so. But the thing is, I don't think they ever say the word Latveria. Um, and it seems like they get there very quickly from New York. Maybe uh, it's his castle in, like, upstate New York. Yeah. The fifth <laughs> <Right>. issue. <laughs> the Hudson Valley. Um, so, it's funny because there's another great line there where it's like, they get there, and they're like, wait a minute, doesn't this seem a little too easily? And then... And then I think Ben or something goes, yeah, don't you just love walking into a trap? And Reed goes, I don't know. I've never done it before. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just like another, like, I, I don't, like, is it just like the opposite of like a yes and, I feel like? Or just like, <laughs> it's not even like a no but. It's just like, I don't know. Like, I have no idea. It, is, <laughs> it is in character, though. It is, yeah. Um, uh, basically, uh, it turns out it is a trap. You know, they capture them. They're in kind of like these... Uh... Well, they're in costume now, right? Yeah, they, they are in costume. Sue knitted them costumes, which look terrible. <laughs> yes, they look bad. Um, they, they literally look like Halloween costumes you would get at Party City. Um, I just wanted to, to dump on Sue's knitting abilities. Uh, yeah. <laughs> which are quite good in the comics. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, he... <laughs> He gets them in these kind of like tractor beams or whatever. They're frozen. He's extracting their powers as he's also powering up his laser. Or he's not doing the laser. He's just trying to get their powers. And then we get uh, a another shot of, of Reed's leg <laughs> going through. And um, yeah, somehow he's able to stick his foot out of the tractor beam. Yeah, doing that is the one thing Doctor Doom hadn't counted on. Yes. Um. So that this 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 like you know a whole big sort of Batman sixty six fight except you know that's insulting to Batman sixty six ensues. Um, we get the first look at, at at Sue's force fields, which we had, we had not seen in in prior scenes. Um, the thing I was like, this is gonna make Mike laugh, is the part when like two guys are running at Sue yeah. from opposite <laughs> directions, and she turns invisible, and then they wham right into each other. Well, and there's there's also like she does it twice, like they do that and they wham into each other. And then she does it again, and they shoot each other, I think. Um, yeah, they almost kind of give... I mean, like, I know the point is, like, she goes invisible, and she just, like, ducks her backs away. But, like, I'm like, do they think she's Shadowcat? Like, is she just turning, like, yeah. that's what That's what uh, a trope that annoys me in movies where people turn invisible. Because, like, the scene at the beginning with the doctor yeah. is, like, the doctor standing right in front of her. He's like, I'm going to take blood. And then she turns invisible, and then he's just like, where did you go? Yeah. I mean, she was literally just standing right in front of you. Just stick your arm out and grab her. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, 
Also, like, her clothes would stay visible anyway. Um, oh, Mike, you should watch the 2005 version. I, I, I have. And I know that that happens. <laughs> Has uh, all that stuff for you. Yeah. Um, so anyway. So there's, a, there's a fight. Yeah, there's a fight. Doom launches the, the laser to blow up New York City. And we, we get the big flame on scene. We, we, yeah. we get to see the human torch in all of his glory. The special effects provided by Mr. Film. Yes. <laughs> is the name of the company, apparently. Yeah. They could not get ILM, so they got... Apparently, they hired somebody mm-hmm. who was just terrible. <laughs> yeah. And then they had to completely, like, get somebody new, like, last minute to do something. Which is funny, because it's hard to imagine something looking, like, much worse. <laughs> um, well, it would just be, like... Uh, the code itself inserted right, yeah. into the movie <laughs> wireframes i yeah i i remember i i took in high school i took like a i think the class was called computer applications and it taught you like how to be like a power user on a microsoft suite but it also taught you how to make like flash animation and like i tried to make a video and it was just like a basic sequence of like superman like saving somebody um and so I just, I got, like, I just basically got an image of Superman kind of, like, in mid-flight and was trying to find a way to kind of track it and, like, make it move. And I feel like that must have just been what it was. Um, <laughs> like, they just got, like, a picture of, like, of the Human Torch from the comics. And they just have him, like, move, like, across the the shot. Um, how, how would you describe how it does look, though? It looks like... Um... You know, they have, like, those wooden figures that artists can use to manipulate to sort of do figure drawing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what it sort of looks like, except mm-hmm. it's red, it's on fire, and it just goes through, like, a world of where buildings look like completely smooth boxes. Right. It, yeah. Yeah. Imagine the first VeggieTales and then a worse version of that. <laughs> I was going to say first VeggieTales or, like, uh, the the animations at, like, bowling alleys. <laughs> 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 of like the bowling balls and the pins and stuff uh something so, or or like the uh, the money for nothing video <laughs> um if you're familiar with that yeah. reboot yeah um can i can we just take a moment since we're talking about the human torch sure the guy that plays the human torch mm-hmm. is terrible <laughs> <laughs> like if alex Hyde white is like like really commendable mm-hmm. as playing reed this guy's just awful. Yeah. It's like Chris Evans is a much better Johnny Storm. And I like hate the way Johnny Storm's portrayed <laughs> in that movie. Because it's just like, he looks like a 35-year-old man. And he's just like whining and complaining constantly. And it's like, when you get someone who's 35 to do that, it's really not very endearing. <laughs> no, it isn't. Um, and he was, let me just see how old he actually was. He actually was in his 20s. He was uh, born in 1968, the actor John Underwood. So he was in his mid-20s. But... Yeah, he doesn't look it, um, and it's like, you, you can tell it's like he was trying, like, it felt like he was doing, like, a, like a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle type thing, right? It was, it was very, like, you know, oh, I'm like a, like a 90s dude, like, type thing, and, uh, it didn't work at all, um. He just stood out to me as, like, really bad. Yeah, no, I agree. Cause, like, cause, Be- Ben yeah. and Sue are just, like, there. Yeah. They're, like, yeah. fine. Mm-hmm. Um. She's like kind of comics accurate in that she has like nothing to do, <laughs> right, <laughs> except yeah. be like demure and pretty. But like he just like stood out as like wow, yeah, <laughs> this yeah. is bad. Yeah, got to make sure sis is okay. Yeah, he's not very good. Um, uh, but yeah, we got. I, I did love like his whole thing is like he's trying to stop this laser from destroying New York City. Apparently, the laser takes a very long time to reach New York City. Um, but I did love the, the one thing where, like, he just kind of gets in front of the laser, and, like, he just kind of, like, rolls around a little bit in front of it, and it seems like it's, like, gonna kill him. Um, but eventually it stops. Uh, and then we get, like, a fight between Reed and Doom. Yeah, we get, like, an epic confrontation between Dr. Doom and Reed Richards. That is epic, but it's also pretty lame. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I Like I said, like you said, I don't really remember much of what... It, oh, no, it's just... Now I remember. It's, like, Reed's, like, this one's for so-and-so it must be for like sue or something like that and punches him it's like this one's for so-and-so and punches him again and he goes and this one's for being a jerk and he punches him again and that's the one that sends him over with like the the edge of of this like castle yeah. he's he's hanging on to the edge 
mm-hmm. with his gauntlets. And then he's like, Victor, let me save you. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dr. Doom is so prideful, he won't even give Reed the satisfaction of letting him save him. So he falls to his death. Well, it what happens is Reed, Reed stretches it stretches out, literally, his hand. And then it's unclear if Victor like detaches his gauntlet and lets himself fall. Or if the gauntlet just... just well, he says, he says that. Oh, Dr. Doom says that he's not giving him the satisfaction of saving him. Oh, okay. Which seems like very Dr. Doom, but it turns out, was that really Dr. Doom? It could be a Doom bot. Yes, because uh, at the end of that scene, as, as Sue and Reed walk away, we see the gauntlet do, like drumming its fingers on, on, on the railing. Um, so who knows what was actually going on. Um, not me. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely not me. Um... And then uh, we forgot to mention that there are there are some some nice spinning newspapers in this movie, um, but uh, that's kind of an aside. Basically, the after <laughs> after uh, this scene, we uh, we, we they defeated Doctor Doom. They defeated Doctor Doom, and then Reed and Sue get married, um, which was very well set up by the movie. Yes, extremely. Um, we see Sue in a nice wedding gown. Reed shows up to his own wedding in his tacky little Fantastic Four outfit. Which is comic accurate. Yes, it is. Um, is the thing wearing nothing but underwear also comic accurate? To, yeah, he to wears his blue scene? He wears his blue like underpant thing that he wears. <laughs> but what I, I was wondering if they were going to have, because like, when Reed and Sue get married, yeah. it's just the thing with like a big handkerchief and it's just like the sound bubble is just like honk i was wondering if they were gonna do that but they didn't they didn't do that no instead he's like the bouncer for them he's like come on give him some space as, as they're like coming down the steps and then they get in the limo and this is what i was talking about earlier or it's like they get in the limo they're gonna drive off to their honeymoon or whatever or i guess the reception i don't know um and we and <laughs> reed stretches out his arm from like the moon roof of the low one was waving at them and you're like okay and it it keeps doing the same waving motion for like way too long <laughs> um and it looks it looks ridiculous and that's how they end the movie <laughs> they were like this is a triumph yeah let us end the movie right here um it, it looks like somebody just took a bunch of pipe cleaners put one of those like sticky hands at the end and then is waving it out of the the thing um so yeah that's that's the fantastic four um yep we've described every (laughs) microbe of this movie do we do do we have anything else to add to it is is this the best fantastic four movie no yeah no 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 um i'm always i'm like one of the people who's like i don't really understand why people don't like the 2005 version at least it's like watchable yeah. compared to this like even if like not everything is 100 percent accurate to the comics in the 2005 version at least it's washable it's also like the era like 2005 is like what was i expecting like mm-hmm. you know we weren't like a live action adaptation of these comic book characters are the pinnacle of cinema right. like we are now yeah or it's like now that they're not working hollywood's crumbling <laughs> right yeah um yeah, it, it was not yet a superhero-dependent economy in Hollywood. Yeah, the, the 2005 one, I think, has its has its own charms, even if it's not, like, a great movie. Um, I mean, how could anything written by Mark Frost? I was about to say, I just terrible. realized it was written by Mark Frost. I actually had Both no of idea. Both of them. Um, and directed by the aptly named Tim Story, um, who also directed The Barbershop. I had no idea. And um, Think Like a Man... And ride along, and he just did a lot of comedies, huh? It's also um, like you ever when you were watching this, were you like thinking like, oh yeah, Chris Evans was the Human Torch? <laughs> uh, when I was watching the 1994 one, well, I was yeah, I was just like thinking, I was because I was comparing because like the Human Torch was so bad, and I was like, right. oh, I like Chris Evans better, yeah, compared yeah. to this. But it's like, oh, it's weird that Chris Evans is the Human Torch. It's like one of those things. It is weird, and it's weird because he looks so different too. He's got like the buzz cut. Um, and it's such a different character than his his version of Captain America. Um, 
but yeah, he he's he's not perfect. He's like people dumb. treat him like an elder statesman now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like and he can't. He's not that old. <laughs> um, like he was a real person that fought in the Infinity War. <laughs> right. Yeah, a veteran. <laughs> he actually got as old as he gets at the end of Endgame. Um, he's actually like he will. hundred years old. Maybe. Yeah. Um. No, this is, uh, I don't know, this is pretty bad. I haven't seen the Josh Trank version, but yeah, this is, like, all those people that say this is the best, like, they have to be joking. Right. Because it's, it's genuinely too bad of a film in and of itself to just enjoy. Right. Like, apart from the Fantastic Four. Like, Howard the Duck is much better compared to this. I would rather watch Howard the Duck again. See, I actually, do, I'm not 100% sure I agree with that. I felt like there was a lot more i feel like i had more fun watching this than i did howard the duck honestly um i I just felt like there was a lot of they tried to like i do like they actually try like they actually tried to do like set pieces on howard the duck whereas i and i find them just kind of like half trying to do it in this movie just a little more entertaining um but it's not good i like like would you recommend somebody watch this like in any capacity no i mean like we watched the um the dirty laundry fan film of the punisher that was much better than this oh yeah yeah um i mean like it it costs like zero dollars to watch this right because right. it's on youtube for free but it's 90 minutes of your time and it did not feel worth it um i would just rather people spend their 90 minutes reading fantastic four comics yeah no i think that's true i, I think that's true um like I said, I was a little surprised with, like you said, how comics accurate certain things were. But I think, like you said, that that's probably just a, a lack of creativity on their part. <laughs> um, so anyway, that's uh, that's the Fantastic Four. I, I, I think there's literally nothing anybody else can say about this movie that we haven't said. I, I have a minor anecdote to say. Yeah, go ahead. I was at the comic book store this past weekend, mm-hmm. and like Marvel has begun publishing these books um, where it's like the reprints of the comics and like the actual size that the artwork artwork would be. So it's like poster size. Hmm. And one of them is called like King Size Kirby. Mm -hmm. It's like a collection of Jack Kirby stuff. And I was walking by and there were these two guys like younger than me, like a couple years younger. And one of them was like, oh, Kirby. I guess like maybe thinking of like the Nintendo character. (laughs) Like Kirby. Right. The guy's like, yeah, like Jack Kirby. And the other guy's like, who's Jack Kirby? And it made me want to, like, die. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty bad. Yeah. One of the great architects of the American pop culture imagination, and nobody cares. Yes. I, I describe him to people like he, he's the Babe Ruth of, of comic books. Like, you, you don't have basically anything in modern Who's Stan Lee? Is he like George Steinbrenner? <laughs> Stanley, he's like the um I don't know. I'm trying to think of like cuz it's not like Babe Ruth ever had a contentious relationship with any of his teammates or at least as far as I know. Um I don't know. Maybe he's the uh whatever the name of the manager of the Yankees was. Um Isn't that Steinbrenner? No, he was the owner, but he wasn't the Is owner till like the 70s. Bud, Bud Selig was the commissioner of baseball and the owned the Brewers. Whoa. Who, who is he like Commissioner with? Gordon? Uh, yes, but without the mustache. Um, you know, who is... Oh God, now I have to find this guy's name because it's going to bother me. Um, I want to know who the shoeless Joe Jackson of <laughs> Marvel Comics is. Miller Huggins. That's who I was thinking of. Stanley can be the Miller Huggins. Shoeless Joe? Ooh. I don't know. <laughs> That's There's good. no one that betrayed the spirit of yeah. comics. <laughs> uh, right, yeah. And I, 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 and I can't think of like a like a weird enough uh, like objectivist guy to be the Steve Ditko either. Um, but if you have an idea of who the shoeless right. person of comics is, <laughs> then, please uh, write us at our email address. Which is contact at thepostwriter.com. Uh, you can find, get to both of us there. Um, and we'll, 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 we'll talk about the mail you sent us on the show. Cause we are desperate for mail. We really want some, we really want to hear from you. Yeah. Where's Willie Lumpkin with all of our mail, Mike? Yeah. <laughs> all our mail. 
the poor guy's losing his job. Um, so please do reach out to us uh, at contactthepostwriter.com or at our Twitter account, which is just at thepostwriter. And of course, visit our website, which is thepostwriter.com. Uh, you're already listening to this, but if you need somewhere else to find it, you can find it anywhere podcasts are found. In addition to writing to us, please do like, rate, and subscribe to this podcast. And if you're just looking for me in particular, you can find me on Twitter at Mlovito and Letterboxd at Ameramike. Yeah, and you can find my stuff on the Post Rider as well. I'm on Twitter and Letterboxd, destroying movies with my epic reviews <laughs> uh, at the Lewis Ryan. Um, yeah, so so check me out there and check out the other episodes of Fortress of Ineptitude. Um, they were we covered a lot better movies than these, so I recommend watching those. Yes. And also check out our other podcast, The Visitors Might Be Listening, where we're currently going through the Planet of the Apes movies. Yep, we're about to wrap up uh, Planet of the Apes. Well, I mean, the original saga, Planet of the Apes, with Battle for the Planet of the Apes. And we're going to jump ahead in the Tim Burton movie. I'm excited to do that. So give those a listen, everybody. Yeah, I've never seen a Tim Burton one, and I'm excited. Well, I guess I'm excited. I don't know. I heard it's not very good. Anyway. It's got to be better than this. Right, yes. It's not a very high bar to clear. Uh, Until next time, folks. Uh, Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.